Welcome to the Nonprofit Experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. In this episode, we hear from Dr. Amanda Stewart, a professor in NC State University's School of Public and International Affairs, and Shalina Omar, a graduate student in linguistics at NC State. I'm Mandy Stewart. I'm an assistant professor in the College of Humanities and Social Sciences, long one in some School of Public and International Affairs, Department of Public Administration. Um, and my research and teaching is about nonprofit management. Right. My name is Shalina Omar. Uh, I am a graduate student in the English department. I'm getting my master's in linguistics here at NC State. Uh, and I'm also an intern at the Philanthropy Journal. Um, I've been doing kind of a deep dive into the analytics, and I uh, do article translations where I take research papers and I translate them into a shorter, more easily understandable version for lay people. I've been doing that since January 2018. Cool. And I guess that's seven, eight months now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first article I ever translated was one of your articles Mm -hmm. um, on, I believe it was strategic. It was on um, turnover of executives. Oh, turnover of executives, yes. No, I'm sure you've done them. You have (laughs) quite the portfolio now. Yeah, so that grew out of my dissertation research. Mm -hmm. So that was work I'd done right before coming to NC State when I was a PhD student at American University. Um, yeah, so I appreciate it because that was a 220-page dissertation that you distilled down to just like a couple of pages, which was pretty well, impressive. I didn't read the 220-page dissertation. <laughs> you should not, yeah. Um, yeah, that was uh, a super eye-opening experience doing that one first because there was a lot of... I'm new to the mm-hmm. nonprofit yeah. sector. Um, this is really my first foray. I mean, I'm sure I've done volunteering mm-hmm. but this is my foray mm-hmm. into the other side and I had to look up a lot of words mm-hmm. and figure out how to translate it into something that people in the sector would understand mm-hmm. uh, without totally disregarding all the research and yeah important caveats really mm-hmm. um so do you want to tell me kind of like what went into that research yeah um, so that research was just spurred on. I had worked in the sector for a number of years and just um, really appreciated, just, you know, what executive leadership means for a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and gosh, I mean, I will say it's been like seven years since I started that, but it has become kind of a, a pretty um, steady stream of research for me, starting with that dissertation. Yeah, so you've been two um, translations. The other one you did was a study I did um, with a sample of foundations, Mm -hmm. just asking how um, they have adjusted their strategies in philanthropic giving. Yeah. Um, Just like what triggers kind of adaptations in what they do and how they do it and who do they look to as a reference Mm -hmm. point for what priorities they give and how they think about distributing their resources. Yeah, that was a... I feel like I learned a lot when I was doing that research or not doing the research Mm -hmm. to understand the research. Um, Because I, at the time when I started, I didn't even really understand what a foundation was, Mm -hmm. like where they fit in in the Mm -hmm. uh, narrative of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Um, So the process of doing that really uh, helped me understand the nonprofit Mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. more in the nonprofit canon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I 
one thing I realized is I wasn't sure how, um, what my, I would, I didn't really know who my audience was mm-hmm. and for like, what would they understand? Mm-hmm. And, uh, would my audience be the foundations themselves? Mm-hmm. Would my audience be people like me, uh, who didn't really understand mm-hmm. how everything worked? Mm-hmm. Um, so working with, uh, Sandy and with Rich at, um, mm-hmm. the Philanthropy Journal and the Institute for Nonprofits, uh, was a super eye-opening experience to kind of develop a language mm-hmm. to translate and convey the important parts of this because so much goes into research mm-hmm. that uh, you can't show the audience, mm-hmm. right? If you show them everything, like, mm-hmm. the important points get lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are you, what are your concerns with your audience when you write papers mm-hmm. like this? Yeah, I mean, some of it is how do I frame it? I mean, I always try, in a lot of the journals we write for prompts, mm-hmm. like what's the implications for both research and practice? Um, so thinking about, you know, what am I doing that builds upon prior research or what mm-hmm. am I telling that's new? Um, I will admit sometimes in my research it's confirming what is kind of practical knowledge, but like giving some research grounding for that. Um, and more from a practical side, like thinking of that piece in particular, was um, recognizing from the sample, it, w- it was really repeated among folks I interviewed, um, just that they look to each other as examples to mm-hmm. follow, as reference points that they want to kind of know what their peers are doing. And so some of that was just kind of thematically summarizing, here's how peers are approaching mm-hmm. this. Um, but for the nonprofit audience who might be seeking foundation grants, it was thinking about... Oftentimes, it's just like, um, we call it the black box of foundation grant making, Mm -hmm. that it's a hidden process where we don't know kind of how the the sausage is made, so to speak. You know that you put in an application, something happens in the foundation, and then they award those grants. So this was trying to like talk about what is happening in Mm -hmm. that foundation. How are they thinking about their resources? How are they, you know, thinking about partnering with nonprofits for support? Um, so just trying to get behind that um, veil or the black, get into the back black box, if you will. Yeah. Um, you you said that part of this is kind of just putting into research practical knowledge, mm-hmm. things people mm-hmm. already know. Why do you think it's important to have that kind of mm-hmm. uh, academic research-based mm-hmm. um, backup, basically, yeah. of things yeah. like, if this is all like, why do we care? We all know yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, I think some of it is to say, like, um, you know, you can think that your experience is singular and not mm-hmm. realize that it's a common experience or to think that it's a one-off or um, even, you know, to, to acknowledge through research what what works in one situation doesn't work in another situation. Mm-hmm. What are those contextual factors that make this either be the same or not the same? Um, and so I think research helps you sort through kind of the... Um, the surrounding factors and mm-hmm. um, try to get to what's happening at the core. Yeah, is there um, is there something you feel like, like do, do you feel like the practitioners and the the people who are seeking funding or the donors and the foundations um, have the, the access to this kind of type of research? Well, um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you know, I think that's definitely where I, you know I'm grateful for sources like the Philanthropy Journal. Um, that, that do the kind of boiled down abstract versions of what is our long form, you know, research that gets into publications. 
you know, one thing just personally I commit to as a researcher is every time I use like a um, an actual sample, I go back to that sample with a report out kind of in lay terms of my research um, before I try to take it down a publication process route. Um, so I have that personal commitment. Um, you know, and I will say I think there's a challenge that so much of our research is behind a paywall. Um, and so unless you have access to like a university system, how do we, you know, just like make the, the publications accessible? Um, there are ways journals are working to do that, like um, where they um, have open access. Like there's um, a journal called Journal of um, Public and Nonprofit Affairs that is open access. Mm -hmm. um, a research I had some work in and um, that's based out of Great Britain. They just have made like select pieces be um for free mm -hmm. um and one of my pieces you know was a part of that and so i was grateful just that you know i can share it more widely than um just to an academic audience yeah i i have a lot of feelings about paywalls mm -hmm. um yeah, yeah. especially when it's people doing this type of research that really impacts or describes a situation of like people on the ground mm -hmm. obviously nonprofits and foundations mm -hmm. um should be able to know this type of information, mm -hmm. but paywalls, uh, even if even if they could easily understand the research, mm -hmm. they can't even access the research mm -hmm. or know that the research is out there. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm obviously in a different circle academically with um, my linguistics research and the type of stuff that my department does and linguists mm -hmm. do. And that, too, often ends up behind a paywall mm -hmm. um, that, you know, people like me, graduate students, yeah, you can can't access. Obviously, our, pro our professors often try to help us out and send us uh, articles, and mm -hmm. uh, the, researchers, the researchers themselves often, if you ask them, mm -hmm. will send you the article. Mm -hmm. But people like nonprofits and grad graduate mm -hmm. students who don't have the money for paying mm -hmm. the exorbitant prices mm -hmm. to see an, a single mm -hmm. article. Mm -hmm. uh, it really creates a barrier mm -hmm. between academia mm -hmm. and what people need to know. Mm -hmm. It really helps b build the walls of the ivory tower, mm -hmm. so to speak. And this kind of stuff is something that um, I think about a lot, not only with my translation articles, but in my own research. I'm interested in Academically, I'm interested in linguistics as far as specifically like sociolinguistics, mm -hmm. how society affects how we speak, how we speak affects society, mm -hmm. how we think about each other. Mm -hmm. um, but again, a lot of that research doesn't get to the people who need it. Mm -hmm. And linguistics doesn't necessarily have something like Philanthropy Journal. Yeah, that does the translation. will do the translation mm -hmm. work. Um, and so we have to rely on things like pop science, pop linguistics to get the word out. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm hoping that can change mm -hmm. at some point. Yeah. Things I'm thinking of are like, um, there's a study coming out soon mm -hmm. um, out of Penn and, I would say, NYU. Mm -hmm. Or is it Penn and Columbia? I'm not sure. Um, but they're doing research on uh, how... African American English, uh, AAE as it's called, is perceived uh, in places like courtrooms oh, and how people yeah. have, like uh, court uh, reporters will transcribe it 
and whether they understand it. Um, and you to be a court reporter, you have to have a 95% accuracy rating, but that's only for white American English. And it turns out that they're like 52% accurate oh, yeah. uh, for African American English, uh, which is a big issue, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And so that kind of research really needs to get out to the people mm-hmm. on the ground doing the work. Because mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, court reporters want to be accurate, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they can't be if they don't have this knowledge, if they don't know that they need mm-hmm. to work on something. Mm-hmm. That ties back into the stuff I do for the Philanthropy Journal. Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't know any of this information if mm-hmm. I wasn't getting yeah. it through researchers yeah. like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other people wouldn't know it if someone wasn't mm-hmm. putting it mm-hmm. into like an 800 mm-hmm. word article. Because mm-hmm. not everyone has time to read mm-hmm. 20 pages. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you're saying that, like, this is your first time being on kind of this side of nonprofit. So, like, what are your reflections and, like, what do you take with it, Um, with you as you think about entering your own field of work? Yeah, yeah, this is my, I feel like I'm, like, on the other side of the curtain. Mm -hmm. Because I've done, really, my only experience before this was doing volunteer work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I saw whatever volunteer coordinator where mm-hmm. there was and mm-hmm. just, like, did the work. Mm-hmm. And I kind of assumed that, like, everything organizational was done, like, above. Mm-hmm. Um, and now being on this this side, mm-hmm. in quotation marks, uh, the other side of the curtain, um, I, I definitely say it gives me a new appreciation for the, just the massive amount of work <laughs> that needs to be done before anyone can do... Uh, <laughs> the phrase boots on the ground, yeah. like the massive amount of works before people can move forward with mm-hmm. the plan. I'm starting to see uh, nonprofit work and opportunities for nonprofit and nonprofit communication, mm-hmm. getting information from nonprofits as applicable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in so many parts of my career goals. Mm-hmm. I'm a linguist by education, but as a grad student, I haven't yet figured out what I'm going to do afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I think doing this type of work has strengthened my conviction that research like this, like the research that you do mm-hmm. and the research that others do where it affects people, which is almost all research, really mm-hmm. needs to be communicated uh, more clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh because there's a lot of there's a lot of murkiness and like how do we how do we know there's information how do we get this information how do we interpret this information mm-hmm. um, my experience yeah, yeah that's interesting um, so do you want to tell me how you got into nonprofit research sure. and this kind of thing yeah um, so I um I um gosh like going far back I mean this is kind of the introduction I would give in my classroom in kind of brief form. Um, is that um, started out undergrad, or I guess I should even start back farther. Like, I grew up just volunteering with my mom. She was mm-hmm. a clinical social worker and was an active volunteer and then worked. And so some of my early memories are traipsing along with her. She did hospice home visits and whatnot. Um, so went to college wanting to do nonprofit work. 
um, and continue that after college, doing kind of an AmeriCorps program mm-hmm. after college that then um, segued into doing an MSW, a Master's of Social Work. Um, where I was working in nonprofits that um, from there ended up working for a number of years in disaster response, starting with Katrina. Um, so just worked a lot in um, the disaster field, disaster case management even was my niche um, for several programs. Um, but just recognize, like, I started to get more curious about why things were the way they were in nonprofits than wanting mm-hmm. to be a part of the actual doing of nonprofits. Um and so um, also recognized I was in middle management of nonprofits and um, kind of didn't see wanting to make my career in that space. Um, mm-hmm. But I realized I really enjoyed mentoring my employees that I supervised. And so saw academics as an opportunity to kind of marry the option of asking questions about this sector um, um, as well as getting to interact with the student population. Mm-hmm. Um, just really value the opportunity to interact with students as they are kind of forging their careers and making decisions and discerning, you know, what 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 are they going to do with this degree or this, you know, classroom knowledge they're gaining. Um, yeah, but also just um, from that work experience, just recognizing um, what we teach and what we study is like in an ideal state um, and that there's so many constraints and realities that make practice be, you know, often just constrained. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I just always appreciating kind of this this bridge of what do I know and how do we know it? And then what does it actually look like in the day to day of an organization? So now that you've been on kind of mm-hmm. two different mm-hmm. sides or three different mm-hmm. you know, volunteering mm-hmm. being Mm-hmm. in management mm-hmm. and then doing research mm-hmm. are there what what type of things that you are that frustrate you mm-hmm. on the academic side mm-hmm. now that you, you also know mm-hmm. the other sides mm-hmm. or two other sides yeah. of nonprofits? yeah um I would say most um like kind of singularly if I had to narrow in on something um we ask small research questions. Mm-hmm. We ask small research questions that don't get to the the scale of um, what the actual practice is like, um, given the kind of big realities nonprofits are working in. And, and I often think of, um, just with my MSW background, I um, recognize the sector is very diverse, but when I'm thinking most often, it's about like the social service, human service, health space, um, where people are, you know, vulnerable populations and there's mm-hmm. critical need, urgent need, um, and organizations just are at a low capacity, either resource or staffing or just availability, access um, to meet that need. And so I think we're asking very small questions that are hard to translate um, to that kind of urgent um, environment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and um, in my research languages, um, I've learned to describe it as um, we are doing tornado research, looking for kind of short um, short causes and short effects, mm-hmm. um, where it's a very isolated research question, whereas a lot of what happens in reality is kind of like I've heard it called tectonic shifts, where it's just things are shifting over time. And so how mm-hmm. do we understand these long movements of why things are the way they are? Um, and it's just hard to like invest ourselves in that long research space of yeah. um, just you know trying to understand things over time or why things are the you know the way they are to this point versus you know I can get at your tax return of a nonprofit and tell you some things that happened in that you know the here and now mm-hmm. um, and so just needing more research that that asks those bigger longer term questions yeah. um, that I think also just speak to the reality of which nonprofits operate. 
I think that's a that can be an issue in like all yeah. fields of yeah, research yeah. Mm-hmm. where it's hard it's hard to get that data because you have to wait a really long time mm-hmm. or you have to have already been getting that data yeah. from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to see the tectonic shifts when mm-hmm. it's easy to see the tornado. Yeah. That's, I really like that imagery. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, yeah. what really excites you about being on the academic side of this? Yeah. Um, gosh, like, I mean, there's so many. I mean, I would say, you know... Um, a big part, I mean, and it goes beyond research, is being in the classroom mm-hmm. with students who are eager to make sense of what they've known from their workspace um, or just learn, you know, and from kind of the ground up of what it means to work and be a part of the sector. Um, no matter whether they plan, you know, in their career being kind of on the front lines of, you know, day-to-day, you know, being actually a nonprofit professional or whether they plan to be in support of the sector. Um, just getting to, to communicate and to help form and, um, yeah, help form the questions they're mm-hmm. asking and how they're engaging the sector. Um, yeah, that, that really excites me um, just to be at, at that kind of level of engagement with students. Uh, even though I'm not a nonprofit student, mm-hmm. I can tell you, as a student, it's exciting to have professors who, you know, really foster that type mm-hmm. of um, engagement mm-hmm. with with the with the world and the, mm-hmm. the student really like coming in to see how to understand everything mm-hmm. and how to ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, as a student, that's very exciting. That's cool to hear. Um, even though I'm not in the yeah, yeah. in the same field. Mm-hmm. I find that there are a lot of similarities among mm-hmm. fields, mm-hmm. Um, especially ones where there's a lot of focus on uh, having to do work with communities rather than like being kind of separate from mm-hmm. outside of academia. Mm-hmm. One reason I'm in a master's program rather than mm-hmm. a PhD program is uh, because I'm kind of worried about that separation, mm-hmm. uh, which... Uh, I don't know how it is in nonprofit research, mm-hmm. but can happen very easily in linguistic research where you kind of get away from the actual people. Mm-hmm. Once you have like all the sound bites mm-hmm. and the sound clips, you do the transcription, and then you like boil it down to the mm-hmm. individual sounds, and you sometimes forget mm-hmm. there's another person on the other mm-hmm. side. Um, and I'm worried that if I do a PhD, I'll like end up in a space of academia where I'm not engaging mm-hmm. uh, with the communities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that this kind of research mm-hmm. and the research translation mm-hmm. and the connection with the communities that can be transformed and translated, again, mm-hmm. <laughs> into other areas of my life uh, and areas of community engagement mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Um kind of like this project, uh, this podcast project, mm-hmm. where we are working on getting people from all parts of the mm-hmm. nonprofit experience mm-hmm. to come in and communicate and talk to each other, um, when sometimes they can be totally separate and forget that the mm-hmm. other person exists, mm-hmm. or that there even is a person doing mm-hmm. research or a person mm-hmm. doing um, foundation work, a person mm-hmm. doing the volunteering, mm-hmm. you can sometimes forget mm-hmm. or not know. Yeah. 
No, it's been funny um, in different audiences, just as I've entered as a, um, left the space of being a representative of mm-hmm. a nonprofit directly, like having that come behind my name to now having, um, you know, in audiences where, you know, it does have my PhD attached to my name mm-hmm. or that I'm affiliated with the university. Um, either a deference or a, um, that I like know more than I think I know, which that's humbling. Um, or that people like see me as no longer relevant. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, wanting to maintain that relevance, um, but also recognizing, you know, that the, um, the gap between, you know, academics and the ivory tower, um, that that's a barrier long in formation and hard to overcome. Um, but I do appreciate, I mean, just to some of what you were speaking to of like, how do you, um, you know, stay relevant in your own field? Um, like so much of that responsibility falls to the academic, um, to engage the audiences and participate and appreciate, yes, that the tenure track has its, you know, kind of own hurdles to, you know, but there's also a lot of autonomy, um, that is a huge privilege of how we get to use Mm -hmm. that time and, and the, kind of just that I get to ask research questions that interest me so I can enter into conversations, um, you know, that just I have time and interest to give. And so what can I add to the field of practice? So I think just so much of it falls on individual shoulders Mm -hmm. um, to to engage that gap or to be relevant in how they choose to be. Um, When you put it in those words, it's making me think of maybe some of that burden might maybe should also fall on uh, those of the practitioners to reach out to researchers um, to like make those connections because mm-hmm. it, it can't be like a one way right, thing right. you can't just and it's hard to like put, give research to someone who's not asking for it yeah um, but, you know, I would, I don't know, maybe just because I'm sitting on this side of that relationship, I see mm-hmm. so much of it fall into the academics because mm-hmm. we do have the autonomy and the luxury of our resources for research or time for research. Um, and that that's, we're often imposing another ask mm-hmm. on a nonprofit. Um, and so um, I do see a lot of the yeah. onus on the research side, I guess. Yeah, to make themselves relevant. And yeah, available. make them, yeah, available for certain. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Experience. TNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gollihue. Our graduate assistant editor is David Mueller. And our communications assistant is Haley Jones. This episode was produced by David Mueller, who also wrote our theme music. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.